0: Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about leftovers. How many of you in here have been eating leftovers for the last three days? Right? Like, I don't know about you, I love Thanksgiving meal leftovers maybe more than I like the original meal. Like, I I mean, it's close. I I mean, having that original meal is awesome, but man, like... Turkey sandwiches and turkey pot pie and turkey noodle soup and all the things, right? Um, they're, they're awesome. You can always tell which, which sides are our family's favorite because they're gone right away, um, right? Like um, there's just not enough of those. The rolls always go quick because we have one child that pretty much only eats bread um, willingly. Everything else is to stay alive. Um, um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where um, we, we, I love it. I love, how many of you in here you like leftovers. Like, you like the Thanksgiving leftovers, okay? How many of you in here, you would rather never eat another leftover again the rest of your life? You, like, your leftovers aren't your thing. It's okay, you can be honest about that. That's all right. How many of you are already a little burned out on the Thanksgiving leftovers, right? Like, you're, you're done. There's a few nods, but not a lot of hands left. How many of you are ready to go home and eat it for lunch after this, right? Like, you're ready for another go. Um, I, leftovers is such a staple of this time, and it's such, it, I want to make sure that as we talk about it, when we are talking about leftovers, we're not supposed to live on spiritual leftovers. Now listen, you can live on Thanksgiving leftovers as long as it doesn't make you sick, okay? Um, but like, there's a difference as we go in. Leftovers are on a lot of people's minds right now. But there is something about, about spirituality, there's something about a life with Jesus that is never meant to be lived on what happened in the past, right? Right? It's not supposed to be about what God did yesterday or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago. Now, I believe we look back on those things and we can draw strength from those things. We can draw inspiration from those things. But those aren't supposed to be the things that keep us going as followers of Jesus. We are supposed to seek new from Christ I'm not talking about new revelation. I'm talking about new encounter with Christ. New knowledge from Christ as he speaks it into us. Not redoing the old, but allowing him to speak into our hearts. And so in this season of leftovers, I want to take just a few moments and I want to talk about how, how scripture points to this. Mandy, can you turn on that TV back there? Um, everybody in this place is going to thank you for that because that's where the clock is. Um, uh, and if it's up to me, I will talk forever because I can do that. Um, I want to talk a, a little bit. I want you to open to Exodus chapter 16. Okay, and I want to just, I want to start there as we're going. If you're new to your Bible and you're not familiar with it, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, okay? Um, so if you open up to the very beginning, you're going to see Genesis, get one more book over and you're in Exodus, okay? Um, just just one more book. Um, and that's where it is. If you're on an electronic version and it lists them by alphabetical order, that's really easy to find. Look for the E and then the X, okay? And that's it. That's Then you got it. Um, but I want you to turn here, I want you to look at it, and I want to just paint the picture Picture for you for just a moment as we read what we're about to read. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 16. So, what has happened in Genesis, right? We see God created everything. Man is going, man is doing its own thing. All of these things are happening good, bad, in between, all the stuff of Genesis has happened, right? And then Israel. Um, is not a nation yet, but the nation that will become Israel, all of the children uh, of Jacob, um, move to Egypt to be with, um, with their son, who's there after this big famine that happens, or during this big famine that happens. And they grow so fast and with so much blessing of God that the Pharaoh in Egypt decides they're a threat, we're gonna make them all slaves. And for 400 years, they're in slavery, right, for 400 years. So we're talking about probably six to eight generations as you, as you measure generational spans, okay? Uh, today's generations. You're probably talking about six to eight. You're talking about people in slavery that have never known anything but slavery. They were born and raised as slaves, Right. This is just where we're picking it up. And at the beginning of this book, if you're familiar with the Bible, and even if you're not, if you're familiar with cinema history, you know about God using Moses to bring bring these people out of captivity, right? Let my people go, right? Like you can you can hear it in the voice of pick your favorite movie where they say it, right? Like you 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 have that picture in your mind. If you're familiar with scripture, maybe you have your own Moses voice in your head, you know? Um, but, but we see that, we see God give them the 10 commandments and now they're in the desert and God took them, right? People are like, I, how many of you have seen the jokes? Like the only reason that the Israelites wandered in the desert, it's really not very far from Egypt. Egypt to the promised land. You know, the only reason that it took so long is because Moses refused to ask directions, right? Like how many of you have seen a joke like that? But they they go right to the promised land. Actually, they're at the promised land very quickly for the first time after they have left the the, the nation of Israel. But God says, go, and they get scared, right? There's large armies there, there's powerful people there and they get scared and says, so God says, all right, well, you saw me do the 10 commandments. You saw me miraculously deliver you from Egypt but you're afraid of these jokers over here so you can wander around until your kids are ready to go in. Right? That's that's what happens. That's the story that happens and so now they're back in the desert, okay? they're They're back in the desert and you know, if you are familiar at all with, with like global landscapes, the, the Israelite it's hard to know exactly how many there are cuz we're never really told, but people estimate that between 500,000 and a million people are wandering in the desert. If you're if you've ever watched like Man vs Wild or Survivor Man or any of those things, you know how hard it is for one person to find food in the desert. Right? find food find what for one person to find to survive in the desert is very very difficult now you multiply that by 4 or 500,000 a million good luck with that right like it's an impossible task and so the israelites do what humans do when the world doesn't seem to go their way they start whining right I know men don't whine, but we whine. <laughs> Ask any wife in here about when their husband gets a cold, we whine. <laughs> as we look in these things, as we look at this, I want you to understand. They are in a situation where outside of God, there is no hope for their survival. As this large group, right? There's no hope whatsoever. They've come out of generational slavery. They go to the promised land that God has been telling them about for generations. And they're like, nope, it's too hard. And so now they're back in the desert. Right? And we pick up the story there in Exodus chapter 16. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. Now, Some people want to make that a bigger deal than it is, like they left the promise of God and entered sin. It's literally its name, okay? Like you can try and make a theological point out of that, but it's really not one, it's its name, okay? It's probably capitalized in your Bible. That's for a reason. It's because we capitalize names of things, Okay, Um, uh, so that's all it is. I just want to stop right there and say that. In the wilderness of Sin, between Elam and Mount Sinai, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So, one month ago, they saw the miraculous deliverance of their people from Egypt. One month. Okay, this has not been decades, this hasn't been years. We're one month removed from God revealing how much bigger He was than Pharaoh in the Ten Plagues. We're one month removed from them crossing the Red Sea on dry land. We're we're one month from one of the most amazing things that we have ever seen in Scripture. The most awesome demonstrations of who God is. We're one month from that. Verse 2, there too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Because of course, it's the leader's fault. Verse 3, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. We're one month from them living where they were killed and beaten on the whim of whoever was standing over them, living lives of slavery. And now they're like, I'd rather be dead because I'm hungry. Let's just go back to be slaves. They've already said that like four times, by the way, in a month. People are fickle, right? Like, people have real short memories. Like, we're already, in in their minds, they're already like romanticizing slavery. It's been a month, right? It's been a month. Some of you have leftovers in your fridge that are less, that are maybe a little older than it's been since they saw the 10 plagues. Maybe you had to clean those out to make room for the Thanksgiving leftovers. A month. And they're romanticizing slavery because we're humans. And what God did for us yesterday might be cool to talk about, but we often forget real quick what has happened in our lives. And if we don't reconnect with him daily, we start to whine and complain and forget. Maybe you don't. Maybe I'm just talking to myself this morning and you guys are all good. Verse four, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Not you, like you all. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. Let's, let's break it down. God says you're in the desert and you can't find food. You're a bunch of whiners already, but I'm still going to do something miraculous so you can see who I am. And every day, food is going to rain down from heaven, but you can only take enough for one day. Except on the sixth day, you take enough for the seventh day because on that day, you're not supposed to work. You're supposed to rest in me. Okay? I'm going to test them. We'll see how long they can follow my instructions. Because so far their track record isn't awesome. Right? That's, that's, that's what we've seen so far. I want you to drop down to verse 13. Drop down to verse 13. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next, imagine vast numbers of quail flying out of the desert. Real quick, just make sure you have a concept of what you're reading right now. We're not talking about vast amounts of quail flew off of the lakeside forest into the camp. A bunch of quail just appeared in the desert, right? And just happened to land where they were camped. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. If you have spent any time in a desert... This is not normal, right? This is not normal. It was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. Now, the part we skipped was Moses telling them God was going to provide food. And the Israelites, because they're in a desert, wake up and they go out in the morning, and first of all, there's a bunch of birds around. That's great. All right, we're going to eat today. But then the ground is kind of wet. But as the ground, as the dew evaporates, they're like, I, I see frosted flakes. What about you? Right? Like, I, I don't, I, it's, it's frost? I, I, like, I don't understand what happened. And they're confused. God just told them, I'm going to send food. But they're looking at it, and they're scratching their heads. They don't have a clue what happened. Because it's weird. Food doesn't miraculously appear on the ground. But God is taking care of them, right? God is taking care of them. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. I think that's funny. Can I just stop and rabbit trail with something that doesn't matter at all just as I read this? When I was 15, I could have ate two quarts for breakfast and for second breakfast, eaten six, right? Like, I think it's funny that no matter how old you are, just in your house, we're grabbing two quarts for everybody. I think there were probably a lot of moms of teenage boys that didn't eat as well as they should have right? Because like the teenage boys required the food. It doesn't matter. If you don't agree with my theology, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, it's just what happens in my brain. Um, so a- as we go with this, um, so each, pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. Verse 17, so the people of Israel did as they were told. That's maybe the first time ever recorded in scripture that they did that. Some gathered a lot, some only a little, right? Because we already can't follow instructions. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough, Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. Because we're human beings. We wanna try and take more than we need to prepare for tomorrow. In other places in scripture, we're actually told to prepare for tomorrow, right? But God is telling them not to do that in this instance. Do not keep any of it until morning, but some of them didn't listen. Shocker. And kept some of it till morning. But by then, it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. That could be the theme of Exodus. God is good, Moses is mad. I want you to hear what just happened. I want you to register everything we just read right they leave slavery and a month later they're longing for slavery because everything everything hasn't gone the way they thought it should most of what has happened has been amazing and the things that haven't been amazing are because they're stubborn and dumb i relate And even with all of that, God is so good, he says, I'm gonna take care of you. Even though I'm not gonna let you into the promised land, I'm not gonna let you die of starvation. Even though you don't get the best thing I promised you because you were too stubborn to trust me a month after everything I just did, I will not let you die of starvation. I have got your back. But here's the deal. You have to trust me every day to feed you every day you have to trust me I'm not going to let you store up my blessing to be used on another day every day you're going to have what you need for that day and the next day you're going to have to trust me to provide what you need for that day and the next day you're going to have to trust me to provide for what you need for that day and the next day you're going to have to trust me to provide what you need for that day Here's the problem with great wealth like we see in in America is most of us feel like we don't really need God's blessing and provision to make it through our day. And so the only times we ever really bend knee to him and call out to him is when everything has gone off the rails until we mature in our faith in Jesus. Every day, we need to trust God. God is trying to teach the people something Every day, you need to trust me. I want you to turn to Psalm 23. I've talked about this before at different times. This, after John 3.16, might be the most famous portion of scripture that exists, right? Like this might, might be it. Psalm 23, um, I read this. I'm, I'm requested to read this at almost every funeral I do, right? Like, this is just when people list their favorite. If I asked most followers of Jesus who have been following Jesus for any amount of time to list their top 10 favorite portions of Scripture, this would probably be in 90% of people's top 10. Super famous portion of Scripture. Nothing wrong with that. It's awesome right? So I want to just read the first, first few verses, right? And we've talked about this before, but I want to talk about it again. Psalm 23, we're going to read verses one through three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me keep going. He restores. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? The Lord is my shepherd. I won't have need of anything because he will take care of me. Okay, that's not like I won't ever want more than I need. We need to get that right. Most of us in this room want lots of stuff we don't need, right? We're okay with that, right? I God has blessed us. It's okay to have stuff beyond what, what you need. This isn't like some message that says you need to sell everything and become, you know, people living on the street. You know, I'm not trying to talk about that. But in our country, we don't very often deal with needs. We way more often deal with wants. This is why I think it's so important for you to go on a missions trip sometime. We're about to pack food this weekend, and we're going to take it to a place where food isn't a want, it's a need. It's incredible to go see those kind of things and allow God to shape your view of the world correctly. The difference between a want and a need, right? But he's saying, I will have need of nothing if the Lord is my shepherd. He will take care of the most important thing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores he, got, he restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And we have this amazing thing that because we're American, we take it away from its original context and we make it something it was never meant to be. And we have it thinking about great wealth, right? And great blessing. We equate blessing most times with money and abundance. And we really miss the point of what is most people's favorite portion of Scripture. I don't remember who I saw point this out to me the very first time, but I dug into it and I found out that the person was right. And I've studied it and I've seen it since then. This is not, I just wanna make sure you know, this is not original to me, okay? Um, this was pointed out to me by someone else. And, and I think it's amazing. When we think of green pastures in America, what do we think of? Green pastures. Can you throw up that first photo, Mandy? Um, that, that first green pastures photo, um, There we go. We're talking about sheep and we're talking about green pastures, and that's probably what most of us would think of, give or take. I grew up in Montana. My grandpa was a farmer in North Dakota. I think of green pastures as. A big, wide open, in Montana, a lot of them aren't even fenced in, right? This huge area where cattle and sheep can roam and eat at will for months and months at a time, right? Pasture land in North Dakota, like, if you have a pasture that's only good for a day or two, that's not good pasture, Right? You need to rethink your pasture land to feed your cattle and to do all those kind of things, or you're going to be doing a gob ton of work. I actually came across this. I searched green pastures, and this was number one photo on my search. Number two, babe. Right there. That was literally when I searched green pastures. Apparently, Google knows that I'm a pastor. I got Bible verses. Okay? Like, This is what was the very first Google image result when I searched green pastures. It was a lamb laying down in a lush field and you can only imagine that green goes as far as it can possibly go right? Like that is not a small, that's not a yard, right? Like that's not a little spot where it's only big enough. Maybe they cropped out the rest of the brown and they put it in there. That is a green pasture. And most of us, when we think about the Lord as our shepherd and he leads me to green pastures, this is what we think of. Abundance. Abundance. Where there is so much, we can never get to the end of it because he's gonna take care of us and he has blessed us. Can I show you what a green pasture in the time that David wrote this psalm, what the shepherds considered green pasture was then? Number three, that's it. Now, where I grew up, if you paid for that and called it pasture, you are the dumbest rancher in the history of ranchers. Right? Like that's not pasture, but in Israel. In this time, most pastures were actually cultivated. You can't really see it because I had to zoom in a little bit. This is a hill and there's actually little paths crisscrossed back and forth where they would try and capture as much of the water as they could so patches of green would grow on that. But every single day, the shepherd had to take his sheep down the zigzag or to the next hill where that sheep would be fed. Because... Psalm 23, and the Lord is our shepherd, isn't about him providing more abundance for us than we can possibly imagine so we never have to trust him again. It's about Jesus giving us what we need every day and trusting that every day he will take us to the next place we need to be. I want you to understand psalm chapter 23 as a whole is not about the abundance of wealth that most of us think about it's about a good god who daily takes care of his people but we have to trust him for that we have to trust him daily that he will give us what we want we are not supposed to live on leftovers As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're not supposed to live on leftovers. We can't take a blessing of God and just be like, okay, in this moment, I'm gonna just grab and 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 and six months from now, that'll be enough of God for me then too. That's not how faith works. That's not how a walk with Jesus works. A walk with Jesus is about a daily Trust that He will provide that day what we need to grow. A daily trust in the shepherd that on that day, the shepherd will lead us where we need to be so we'll have enough for that day. And if your life looks more like that sheep lying in a green pasture, I want to tell you it's a mirage. Because this is what a life after Jesus looks like. A daily reliance on the shepherd. There is more than enough. But every day, we have to trust him to take us to where it is. Every day, we have to trust him to feed us, to lead us to water, to take care of us, to be all that we need him to be so that we will continue to grow in him not just be able to rest on the laurels of what happened six months ago, a year ago, a decade ago, 30 years ago. Every day, we need the blessing of God. Every day, we need the care of the great shepherd. Every day. And when that happens, we're gonna read a couple more. Matthew chapter six, that's in the New Testament If you're turning from Psalms that way in your Bible and you're unfamiliar with your Bible, after Psalms, you're going to start reading some crazy names, okay? And you're going to get from crazy name to crazy name to crazy name until you hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you hit any one of those, Matthew's the first one, okay? Um, Land right there, Matthew chapter 6. Again, if it's an alphabetical, we're looking for Matthew, M-A, okay? Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verse 33. Jesus is preaching And the kingdom of God, this is the biggest sermon we have recorded of Jesus. Uh, This is the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus is teaching us. I want to be careful here because I want you to know, Jesus isn't saying don't save some of your paycheck, right? Like that's not what he's saying. He's not talking about living, you know, life, just, oh, here you go. You know, like that's, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying most of us worry all the time about stuff we don't need to worry about. So what we really need to do is instead of worrying about everything, we need to seek God first. And I would ask you in here at some point in time today to do an evaluation of your life and see if God is really the first thing you're seeking in your life. And if he's not, what needs to change for that to happen? Or is the first thing you seek a paycheck? Is the first thing you seek your spouse? Is the first thing you seek comfort and ease? Is the first thing you seek a Black Friday deal or now a Cyber Monday deal? What do we seek first? What is our greatest priority? Jesus tells us, you want to know how to start to beat worry? Seek me first and trust me for everything every day. I grew up around chronic worriers, right? Like, I mean, they were diagnosable worriers. My grandma's, holy cow. Um, they worried about, they were godly women, but man, worry had a big hole in their lives. I, I remember one time my grandma, I, when I was in Bible college, you know, I, I got my ears pierced, if you've ever noticed the symmetrical holes, they're piercings. Um, uh, I, I had my tongue pierced in, in Bible college, right? And my grandma was so worried, she was praying that God would get my tongue infected. Um, and I I always say, like, because she was worried that I would never be a pastor if I had my tongue pierced, as though that was, it doesn't matter. Um, um, but I always joked with her while she was still alive that, that her, God, she missed with her prayers because my tongue didn't get infected. My ears got so infected, it was crazy. And I won't describe what happened because it's disgusting. But um, grandma was a worrier. She loved Jesus, but man, she struggled with worrying about tomorrow. And what we really need to do as followers of Jesus is seek God and trust him every day that he will give us what we need. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter three. This is the last one and then we'll be done. Ephesians chapter three, verse 16. If you turn past those things, you're gonna get to Romans, you're gonna get to some Corinthians and then there's gonna be a couple of small books. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You're looking for Ephesians right in there. Ephesians chapter three. We're going to start in verse 16. And this, Paul is talking about growth. Paul is talking about suffering. This is not about abundance. Paul is writing this letter from jail, in case you missed that, okay? He's writing it from jail, and he's talking about growth in God, not having so much you don't know know what to do with it. All right. But Ephesians chapter three, verse 16 says, I pray from his glorious Experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen, which means so be it. That's what a daily walk with Jesus is supposed to lead us to. That our roots would grow down deep. That our faith would be built. And that every day we get to see a little clearer picture of just how big and powerful and loving the almighty savior of the world really is. That's what maturity in faith looks like. You don't get that from leftovers. You don't get that from resting on what God did 20 years ago or even 20 days ago. In 30 days, the Israelites were begging for slavery again. Unless we look down too much on them, we're just as big a bunch of whiners as they were. Every day, we need to seek God for what God can do in our hearts that day. Jesus, you are amazing. And I pray for everyone who's watching this online, everybody who's listening to it in a podcast, everyone who's sitting in this room, that you help us to not be satisfied with yesterday to not just be looking back on all the great things you did 20 years ago, but to daily carve out time to sit with our shepherd and let you meet our needs. Let you fill us up. Let you take us where we need to be. Jesus, we trust in you. Help us to rest in you. It is in your name I pray, amen. Listen, if you don't know Jesus in this place, I would love to have a conversation with you about that. Come and talk to me afterwards. If you want to stay and pray, pray. If you're ready to go eat leftovers, go eat leftovers. Have an awesome Sunday afternoon.